What's up? And welcome to Clarity for Parents of Athletes, bringing you stories from professional athletes about their parents and how they were raised. My name is Gabe Nocere from aclearmind.com. All right, and welcome to episode five. I hope you enjoyed the first four episodes, my intro, letting you know who I am and why I'm doing this podcast, the interview with Jay Demerit, the former U.S. men's national soccer team player, as well as Watford FC, Vancouver Whitecaps, his wife, Ashley McIver Demerit, who is an Olympic gold medal ski cross champion from Canada. Her story is absolutely incredible. And, of course, Andrea Neal, uh, which was the last episode I released a couple weeks ago. She was the 18-year veteran of the Canadian women's national team and a deep, deep soul. And it's really, really enjoyable interviews for the first three. And we have more to go. There are really exciting interviews and people who've, who've competed at a high level and been really successful at a high level as well. So I'm very excited to share those with you, but I wanted to take time and delve in a little bit deeper on this episode into the first principle of thought. And if you think back to the first episode, I talked about the three principles who were kind of, I guess, founded from a man named Sid Banks, who was a Scottish born and then emigrated to Canada. He was a welder and he, all of a sudden these things came to him, the three principles of thought, consciousness, and mind. I don't want to go too deeply into them because they're available on the first episode if you want to go back to that. But I do want to delve in deeper into the principle of thought. Now, as I mentioned in the first episode, thought is what creates our reality in the moment. And our thinking about certain situations or people events, material objects, those kind of things change over time depending on a lot of different circumstances, our maturity, how we've grown, uh, how much we've released certain things in our conscious and unconscious thinking. So those things change over time. Now, our thinking can be broken down into kind of nice, happy, positive thoughts which come more directly from the lineage of our mind, which mind is our, our natural-born ability to even create thought. So when we're clear in our mind, we tend to have happy and just flowing thoughts, right? But when we have a cluttered mind, I like to call that clutter contaminated thought because it can be derived from the ego, And what the ego feeds off of most is fear. And that can start to branch out into a lot of different things. Jealousy, revenge, shame, anger, hatred. But really the lineage comes from fear. That's why Master Yoda even said that in Star Wars. He said fear is the path that leads to the dark side. So that's deep, deep stuff. And I didn't quite get how deep it was at that time. It kind of made sense. But then now going through the work that I've done and working with the clients that I have and being a client myself with my coach, I can really see that the foundation and what feeds the ego is fear. 
Now, like I mentioned, we have contaminated thinking, and that can kind of basically cloud our positive energy, which we are all born with, and that we have when we sit in clarity. So our mind, which again is our ability to even create thought, is like the sun, and contaminated thinking are like dark clouds that can block out the sun. There's still some light, you know, but it really can prevent us from living in a more clear way and a little more flowing way. Or as I mentioned again in the first episode, it's like being in the zone as an athlete. And you can be in the zone as a parent as well, where you're coming from a place of love. So basically you can think of it, mind is a clear mind is love and contaminated thinking or a cluttered mind it comes from ego and fear. So now I'd like to further break down the idea of thought or the principle of thought into three different categories. And I want you to buckle up for this. This changed my, my perspective. It was one of those huge aha moments. So like, oh my God, that really makes sense when I first heard it. So any type of contaminated thought, suffering, anxiety, whatever, comes from one of these three categories. And I want you to have this idea in your head of these three categories are all derived from fear, of course, of the ego, but it's derived from also a feeling of lack or lacking of any of the three categories or one of the one of the three or two of them or all three at the same time. Every contaminated thought you've had can go on down and be narrowed down into one of these or all three of them. And they are a feeling of lack of control in your life in something, a feeling of a lack of security. And what I mean by security is security of your house, job, money, material objects, family, a feeling like you have a lack of those or there's a possibility you will have a lack of those. And the third is approval or acceptance, a feeling of a lack of acceptance or potential lack of acceptance. Now, I want you to think about your teenage years or maybe even before or even your adult years right now as a parent. Think back to probably which one of those resonates most likely to be leading the race, so to speak, in which of the area of suffering. For me, and I think for a lot of adolescents, again, think back to yourself, it is the idea of acceptance, a fear of not having acceptance. Now, fear of approval exists for children and adolescents, and it exists for parents as well. Not having acceptance of the other parents that your child is good enough on the field or good enough to be on the team. You won't be socially accepted in some manner by the other parents or won't be viewed as a good parent or will be viewed as not good enough of a parent or a bad parent. Now, your child, of course, can go through that as well. Again, think back to your teenage years, middle school especially, high school. 
I'm sure it was prominent. I know it was prominent for me, for sure. The idea of needing approval is huge. Now, we've also heard in the other two areas of control, big one, control issues. That person has control issues. I have control issues, whatever it may be. I don't feel control over this situation where this coach isn't playing my son in the right position or not playing my son at all. I don't have a feeling, a lack of control in this situation. So then I start to create stories. That's how the suffering starts going is this feeling of lacking something. Now, whenever we have this feeling of lack, in order to release it, we need to basically understand that we have the control to release it. You've heard this term before, I'm sure. Oh, I can't let it go. No, we can always let it go. Letting go is a choice. Is You won't let it go. Sometimes we feed our ego so much, right? Because we don't want to let things go because we can stir up this drama in our head. And some people love to live with the drama, as crazy as it sounds. Some people are addicted to it, that way of thinking. You've heard those people, and you may have experienced this, complaining too much, right? Not letting go of things, nitpicking at things, holding grudges. Again, it's not the fact that they can't let things go or you can't let things go. It's sometimes you won't let things go. Or victims. The world is against me. This ref is against our team. This coach doesn't like my child. Right? We all get wrapped up in this every once in a while, some people more than others. But the good news is, is that sometimes it's just a trigger to remind us that we're just getting caught up in our unconscious thinking. So whenever we're feeling this lack, we have to remember whatever we feel like we're lacking, we already have. We have everything that we need from the inside. Yeah, there may be situations that we don't like or we want different. But can we accept it as is? Can we basically welcome whatever situation we're in? When we welcome things the most, that's when we stay in a nice flowing state. Yeah, it may not be exactly ideal, but that trust in the universe that the universe has our back is so crucial. Now, it is also can be said in your relationship with your child. Can you welcome wherever they are in life? Can you welcome whatever's happening with them? So when we start to feel out of control of our child's life, that's when we can create story and hallucination and suffering and more and more contaminated thinking. And we start to do that. We all of a sudden can start to have conflict, even with our child, even when we're upset at somebody else. We can still have conflict with our child because we're a little bit more on edge, right? We're not really upset with our child. We're fearful of what might or might not happen to them and how we may be viewed by the world. And remember, our children are going through the same things that we're going through, but on a much deeper level because emotionally it's new to them, right? This idea of lacking control, of lacking security, security on the team, approval from the team or the coaches. So we absolutely cannot have them have a fear of a lack of acceptance from you as a parent. Because when they start doing that, when they start feeling they don't have acceptance, 
or love, unconditional love, they start searching for it in other places. They start searching from the outside. They start living from the illusion that something from the outside will make them feel complete when it's not true. Everything they have to be complete is already inside of them. It's inside of you. But the danger when they start looking for things outside of them can lead to them into some difficult times in life, especially the more that they feel that they're responsible for your happiness. Now, I want to tell you a story that my wife and I went through with our daughter. We went through a really emotional, turbulent time. When she was about, I would say, 16, 17, I think we had her with a therapist who woke us up about how we were communicating with her. Now, let me preface it a little bit. During this time, she kept telling me we would argue And she kept telling me, you're not listening to me. And I kept saying, no, I am listening to you. But my response was, I'm just not saying the things you want me to say. That was my defense towards her. And you know what? I was right, but not in the way that I was thinking I was right. She was the one who was right. When she was saying, you're not listening to me, I really wasn't. And what woke me up personally Her therapist showed me this list. She showed it to both my wife and I, and I discussed it in the episode with Andrea Neal a little bit and how we communicate with our children. So what her therapist did was she showed us a list of invalidating statements, and I wanted to read these statements to you so that you could see maybe you might be using these statements as well with your child because when we start invalidating them, what happens? They start feeling invalidated, and then, you know, it may be one, one phrase, but then it, you keep adding it over time, over weeks and months and years. Sometimes there's a breaking point, and they're not as responsive to the parenting. So I'm going to read you this list of invalidating statements, and I want you to think about which ones you've either said or heard from somebody directly towards you. And there's different categories here. So here, so here, the first one is, quote-unquote, ordering you to feel different. Smile. Be happy. Cheer up. Lighten up. Get over it. Grow up. Get a life. Don't cry. Don't worry. Don't be sad. Stop whining. Stop laughing. Don't get angry. Deal with it. Give it a rest. Forget about it. Stop complaining. Don't be so dramatic. Don't be so sensitive. Stop being so emotional. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop taking everything so personally. Now, how many of those have you either said to somebody, especially your child, or heard? Even when you think you're trying to help, right? Sometimes you're not trying to help. You're just releasing emotions. But think about it. How many of you said or how many of you heard? And if you heard it, how did that make you feel? And I'm going to keep going because there's, there's more here. Here's another category. Ordering you to, quote unquote, look differently. Don't look so sad. Don't look so smug. Don't look so down. Don't look like that. Don't make that face. Don't look so serious. Don't look so proud of yourself. 
Don't look so pleased with yourself. Another category, denying your perception and defending. You've got it all wrong, but of course I respect you, but I do listen to you. That is ridiculous. I was only kidding. That's not what that's not the way things are. I honestly don't judge you as much as you may think, or it's not going to happen. Here's another category, trying to make you feel guilty while invalidating you. I tried to help you. At least I dot dot dot, or at least you dot dot dot. You're making everyone else miserable. Boom, right there. That kind of statement can really lead a child into feeling that he or she is personally responsible for anybody's feelings. Another category, trying to isolate you. You are the only one that feels that way. It doesn't bother anyone else. Why should it bother you? Another category, minimizing your feelings. You must be kidding. You can't be serious. It can't be that bad. Your life can't be that bad. You are just dot, 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 being difficult, dramatic, in a bad mood, tired, etc. It's nothing to get upset over. It's not worth in getting that upset over. There's nothing wrong with you. Another category, using reason. This is no reason to get upset. You're not being rational. But it doesn't make any sense to feel that way. Let's look at the facts. Let's stick to the facts. But if you really think about it, is debating. Here's another category. I don't always do that. It's not that bad. Another category, judging and labeling you. You're a crybaby. You have a problem. You are too sensitive. You're overreacting. You're too thin-skinned. You're too emotional. You're an insensitive jerk. You need to get your head examined. You're impossible to talk to. You're impossible. You're hopeless. Here's another category, turning things around. You're making a big deal out of nothing. You're blowing this way out of proportion. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. Man, I know I've said those a couple times in my life, so I apologize if you heard anything like that or anything on this list come out of my mouth. That's where I was in the in the time in my life. Um, so here's another category, trying to get you to question yourself. What's your problem? What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Why can't you just get over it? Why do you have to dot, dot, dot? If that's all you can do, complain, or is that all you can do, complain? Why are you making such a big deal over it? What's wrong with you? Can't you take a joke? How can you let a little thing like that bother you? Don't you think you're being a little dramatic? Do you really think that crying about it is going to help anything? Here's another category, telling you how you should feel or act. You should be excited. You should be thrilled. You should feel guilty. You should feel thankful that dot, dot, dot. You should feel happy that. You should feel glad that. You should just drop it. You shouldn't worry so much. You shouldn't let it bother you. You should just forget about it. You should feel ashamed of yourself. You shouldn't wear your heart out on your sleeve. You shouldn't say that about your father or mother. There's another category, defending the other person. Maybe they were just having a bad day. I'm sure she didn't mean it like that. So, how many of those have you either said or heard? And again, sometimes we're trying to help our child, but we don't realize we're invalidating them. And remember, the more invalidating statements they hear day after day, week after week, 
month after month, year after year, the more of those kind of invalidating statements they hear, the more they feel as if they are not loved unconditionally. And then, again, they go off into the world and search for that validation in other people, material objects, boyfriends, girlfriends, even accomplishments, right? Always trying to get some sense of approval from somewhere outside of their being. And the way that we speak to our children becomes their inner voice. So if they keep hearing invalidating statements, they learn to invalidate themselves. Oh, I shouldn't be mad. I shouldn't have these feelings. It's not okay for me to have these feelings. Now, once we learn that we were, in fact, invalidating our daughter and how to validate, our relationship completely flipped to an extremely positive and loving one. So what's the way to help validate them? Well, but also get our message across because we have to be able to parent still. It can't just be complete positivity with no kind of trying to you know, help your child out and we, because then there's no boundaries. You have to set boundaries of what's okay in your family and what's not okay in your family. So the important thing to realize is to start things with a validating statement. Something like, hey, I know you're upset with your brother, right? That's validating, but you can't hit him or you can't put his head in the toilet water, whatever it is. Now, another great tool to use is called mirroring. And that's basically where you're reflecting what your child said to you, the reason why they're upset. So instead of, if they come to you and they say, you know, mom, dad, I'm upset because of this. The coach doesn't like me and I'm mad at the coach. Now, instead of saying, are you sure the coach doesn't like you? I don't, I doubt that, right? That's, that's invalidating. You can say something like, well, I hear you and you're upset because you're feeling this way about the coach, right? That reflection goes so far in validating your child. In fact, there's a whole philosophical branch of therapy where called client-centered therapy where that's what the therapist does with the client. They're constantly mirroring and reflecting what the, the client said and it actually heals the client just from that validation. That validation can be so healing. So my son is really into this song called Happier, which ironically is enough is actually a pretty invalidating song because they want the person wants the other person to be happier instead of just reflecting how they feel right now. But my son loves it. So <laughs> in the car, he wants to hear it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And it's a cool song, but eventually, you know, I get a little tired of it. So I felt I had to validate him the other day. And I said, look, buddy, I know you love this song and I like the song too, but sometimes we need to listen to something else. Validating, but still getting your point across. That can go a far way in your relationship with your child. And that can help them feel that unconditional love. And the more they feel that unconditional love the more they will live life from the inside out and to realize that their power, their innate power comes from within. Now, one huge thing that I can't get off my mind that Ashley McIver Demerit said was the idea of children 
get so much pressure from their peers and their coaches, the last place they need it, that pressure, is to come from somebody in the home. Now, that is so huge. The home should be their home base, their safe haven, where they feel unconditional love. And again, that does not mean we let kids do whatever they want because that's not okay. But that's, there's that fine line of parenting with love and validation. And then all of a sudden we can say something that from where we're parenting from ego and we're parenting from reaction and emotion. But when a child comes home from a tough day of school and seeing these images on social media of what they're supposed to look like and how they're supposed to speak, what clothes they're supposed to wear, how they're supposed to perform on the playing field or on the playing court. When they come home from all that pressure, they need that atmosphere of unconditional love. And again, if we can all learn to validate while we parent and to validate while we discipline and to come from a place of love, our children will flourish more and more simply from the fact that they feel that they're being heard. You know, the best way to have your child listen to you is for them to feel like you are listening to them. I hope this was helpful. I appreciate you listening, as always. If you ever need to connect with me, connect with me through my website, aclearmind.com, or email me, gabe at aclearmind.com. You can find links to my social media on my website. Thanks for listening. Much love to you and many blessings.